0: And uh, welcome to Radio Rama Revival. We have uh, Mark Rose on the phone today. He's the producer of uh, Dry Smoke and Whispers, a uh, hello to theater. We heard episode two of The Shadow Man last week, and I know from all the different uh, calls we got into the station, and a couple of emails actually, uh, very much impressed it, and was definitely up the alley of most of you out there, so I'm sure you'll be excited to hear him. We also have Gerald McQuinn, the writer and illustrator for Dry Smoke and Whispers, on the phone today. Uh, hi, guys. How are you doing? How, How are you, Fred? I will, and you. we are calling you, I'm, I, if I'm not mistaken, you guys are in Portland, Oregon, right? That is correct. All right, so we're on the other coast, um, but uh, a story that actually has a bit of a history back here in Portland, um, and I, before we get into that, um, why don't you just introduce uh, Dry smoke and Whispers a little bit. Uh, we heard one episode which is sort of doesn't have the the greater context of things. maybe uh, just fill in our listeners uh, you know all, all about the history of the series uh, you know what the bigger picture is and uh sort of a little bit more about your work
1: All right. right uh, well, dry smoke was uh, first conceived as a song actually uh it started out as a uh, a thing about uh, just kind of an other world uh forties crime noir. Uh, type of thing, and uh ended up developing developing it into the uh, into the full blown series there and uh, basically it's set in another dimension uh one up a few rungs from here, so it's a a, a little more exotic around the edges in regard to the uh, life forms and so on that just keeps it interesting and we can pull all kinds of uh extraterrestrial rabbits out of the hat and uh and so we started uh, Uh, we found a community radio station that was willing to work with us while we developed this, and it went on the air in
0: 1980.
1: 1980. Uh, Yeah, when it first started airing in 1980.
0: Yeah, I was just talking to uh, Mark, you a second ago said that that, uh, up here in WMPG you might have been one of the first stations to air the show back then? It
2: was, without a doubt it was, because uh, back in the day the NFCB, which was then the National Federation of Community Broadcasters, Mm Uh, offered a uh, syndication package idea, so that if you had a, a program like we did, we could put it into the pool and it would be bicycled all over the country, and we'd get into uh, stations that wanted it. And uh, I am almost a hundred percent positive that uh, the Portland station there was like one of the first to carry it. And back in <laughs> back in those days, it was a little a little more humbly produced. I'll have to tell you.
0: <laughs> well, what's, what, uh, well, just uh, there's a couple of things that issues. But what has changed over the years? What is uh, ha- what has evolved from the original idea? Was it still sort of the same subject matter, same kind of characters? Yeah,
2: uh, yeah. We've we've a couple of things have happened. We've added we've added a number of characters, but uh, the core characters have always remained the same. Some of the the ones that are uh, that popped up in the in the story that you just heard are ongoing characters. The uh, the Grant character is uh, mm-hmm. an ongoing. Go the original. Marcory Deedwick goes back a ways, and of course, Song and Henscher; those those two have been in since the very beginning. Uh, but when we moved out here to uh, relocate the business and so forth in the, in the Portland area from from where it hatched, which was Florida, um, uh, we ran into a team of remarkably talented actors out here, um, and we have been teaming up with a gentleman by the name of Sam Maori, who uh, plays the uh, title character in the show. He is actually the Shadow Man. He's the voice of the Shadow Man. Uh, he has a company, a uh, theatrical uh, company as well, called the Willamette Radio Workshop, and they oh, do nice. live there, yeah. So we've, we've kind of joined forces here and, and have exchanged... Uh, uh, production ideas and cast members and all sorts of good things and so now it's it's quite an impressive cast because these guys are all just very very seasoned professionals yeah. when it comes to stage and film work and so it's just it has really raised the bar for us so it's just been it's been fabulous meeting these guys.
1: Yeah, it increased exponentially what we could uh, what we could do with the stories because we finally had uh, the acting ability to to do it right. I
0: mean, that's very cool, <laughs> and I I definitely have to say uh, it's great that WMPG is so uh, radio drama friendly. When you know, the community stations in general uh, are about the only place you're going to hear this, at least on terrestrial radio. I'm glad we have uh, that little part of our history uh, joining you. Um, so, backing up for a second, I, I find it interesting. So, what? Made you want to make it a radio drama from this idea of a song? How did it evolve into uh, this kind of uh, audio for the audio story? This
2: is a very interesting thing. I wrote a piece as, as uh, Gerald just said, I wrote a piece of music that that uh, was basically it was created for a slide twelve string guitar and big band that was the, That was the idea for this composition, right and it had all these characters and so I thought, well, you know maybe what i 'll do is i'll just create these little scenes as sort of a blueprint, have these little voices and little things just to, as a uh, as a kind of a cue to myself as to where I wanted to build this thing later and about the same time we, this was happening, lo and behold a Radio station was going in in our neighborhood, a community radio station, which had been on the air probably about five minutes, and uh, literally, and it was just coming online. And we thought, you know, they don't let's let's do something wacky. Let's go down there and let's talk to the the head of programming and see if there's any place that we might be able to to do something completely bizarre. And we didn't even know what shape it was going to be at that point, really. And uh, the station manager then at the time, a guy who is, I I believe he is still with WMNF. I'm I'm almost positive he is. His name is Rob Laura, I will never forget this statement as long as I live. I played him a piece of uh, corroding uh, uh, seven-and-a-half-inch, you know, inch-per-second quarter-track tape of of a bar scene with a bunch of these characters in it. And Rob listened to that, and he stood there and kind of tapped the table a little bit. And I said, well, you know. This is an idea for a show. I don't know what we're going to do, but, you know, this is the idea. We'd love to develop this into something. And he looked at me and he said, i tell you what, if we're on the air, we'll give you a slot. Wow. Point in time, he wasn't even sure the station was going to was going to remain on the air for longer than you know two hours because it was quite a fight 1980 to get anything launched and these guys were working really hard to get it going. So they moved into town and gave us the uh, the go ahead to to do it and then we quickly scrambled to learn how does one do this? Because uh, I don't know about you, but I hadn't cut a piece of tape in my life in 1979, so I didn't
1: know anything about this. And it was starting from scratch, literally. Yep. Uh Bootstrap productions, but uh, you just got to jump in and swim. (laughs)
0: <laughs> wow. And so what did you take for inspirations? Did you, uh, I mean, were you familiar already with uh, other radio drama productions?
1: Yeah. There, At the
2: time, there weren't too many of us. Uh, at the time, believe it or not, it was Tom Lopez mm-hmm. and... Um, that was it, I think. Yeah. Tom Lowe's, and because uh, really, you know, apart from the stuff that was on vinyl records back mm-hmm. in those days, like, you know, Fireside Theater and Monty Python. Well, that's what I was going to mention.
1: Yeah, yeah those,
2: were the, <laughs> those were the inspirations to do this in the first place. Right, okay. right. But uh, in terms of actual radio drama, other than the stuff that obviously we all grew up on uh, listening to, you know, in our in our early days, mm-hmm. uh, there was nothing current.
1: Wow. Yeah, and, and one, of the, one of the factors in tackling that, it w- it was something we could control, uh, and not have somebody uh looking over our shoulders and saying, "Well, we want you to do this with it, we want you to do that and and that's another wonderful thing about community radio is that basically they let you they they'll they made suggestions as to uh certain things, but uh for the most part, they said, Hey, just go do it mm-hmm. and that was a wonderful freedom so that was one of the reasons we wanted to try this was that we wouldn't we wouldn't have the type of uh constant interference that goes on with networks and
0: such and the like. Cool. Well, after uh, 27 years later, how much material do you think you've come up with in that time?
1: <laughs> well, there was a huge hole in the middle there where uh, uh, we had to get on with life, unfortunately, and pay the bills and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I would say it's pretty bottomless. It's uh, The question now is just finding the time to do it. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest problem. Uh, other than that... There's no lack of story material because the world just keeps coming up with stuff to riff off of, <laughs> and then, and then some. <laughs>
0: Um, So you mentioned uh, tapes uh, back then. So was was this ever a live program, or was this always stuff that you sort of pre-recorded and and then mastered? Yeah, it it
2: had to be pre-recorded. And Mm -hmm. and back in the very, very early days, it was literally bouncing between what was known then as quarter track tape decks. So you'd you'd record a layer, and then you'd play that layer into the next machine as you added another layer. So it was like very early sound-on-sound type of stuff until we uh, got some uh, money together to get a, uh, an actual 8-track unit, which was a half-inch 8 back then. Uh, I think Tascam had come out with that machine. And so uh, all the early shows uh, from about 82, maybe 81, were all done on multi-track. And, you know, the, the leaps in quality was
1: pretty phenomenal <laughs> between <laughs> scenes there. But, uh, yeah, that's quite the track. Yeah, as a matter of fact, now that I think about it, uh, getting all the equipment we needed to do dry smoke and everything led to what Mark does for a living now, which is audio-visual work.
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> so now we have a full studio and everything, because that's what he does full-time.
0: Cool. So that's uh, in addition to dry smoke. And uh, I guess going back to the modern day for a second, um, one thing I should you know mention, um, your role as illustrator is not insignificant, because uh, if anyone has gone to drysmoke.com, it is absolutely uh, out-of-this-world website i guess you could say uh, i mean the whole the whole package is is so uh, very rich and you know uh dimensional and the uh the writing's very fun um so when when did that whole uh, aspect um come into play? did you ha- always have uh a visual accompaniment uh, to the productions early on or is that new
1: Yeah, we always had a pretty clear idea of what this play should look like
0: mm-hmm.
1: um it was uh we've always worked in a thirties and forties milieu uh from day one and it also informed several other projects we've worked on. And uh, it's refined itself incredibly over the years until now. It truly has entirely its own character. Whereas I think when we first started, it probably was a weird cross between Casablanca and Oz. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, eventually, that found its own voice, and that's what you see on the website now. Is uh, it was always a uh, oddly enough a very uh, a weird mixture of uh Old colonial Empire England crossed with the middle east mm-hmm. sure. that was the, That was the original thing because the original song was about this Sydney Green Street character and a mechanical fan back in some place that was like a latter day Morocco oh, and so all those elements came together, and that 's what became Quaymet and Quaymet itself, as you can hear, is 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 actually a very uh, middle eastern sounding name, so it 's always been element in uh, in these stories. And, uh, which really got played up later on in the shadowman saga <laughs> yeah.
0: and have you and did you write every single episode yourself then
1: yes yes uh, they, they they were all written by
0: us that's cool so it's been uh just a huge amount of material a huge amount of time and you really uh, obviously uh, as we've heard you've gotten you know a real sense of what that world is and it's evolved and it's I mean it's just amazing that uh, have you done other productions other than dry smoke or have you always just been in uh, in the same world
1: uh no definitely have other things as well one of the spin-offs early on was a show called Anomaly Column, which was basically a uh, horror anthology um And that uh, has become another new production that we're trying to get into production now, and that's called Triage, which is essentially the same thing, updated, a little more edgy than uh, the other. And those are fun because you get to do a cross between contemporary Earth uh, and anywhere else you want to go, so you're not locked into one dimension on it, and you can tackle any story you want uh whereas in quamet it definitely needs to stay in character with everything that you've established sure
0: okay so this is uh changing gears for a moment you've been you've been at this uh for like about twenty seven years you've um you know and, you, and your series has endured over that and now um You have probably one of the more professional-looking and sounding products. Well, what do you? How do you feel about um, what's going on with you know? Do are you? Do you feel that you have recognition? Do you feel that people know about you? Do you feel that uh, where do you feel radio dramas going? Sort of that whole direction.
2: Yeah, it, you know, it's a, it's, it. I think Fred, right now, it's really, really evolving because we have a whole podcast that we're. We have not entered into that particular world with this show, but I've early on, actually, a couple of years ago, inspect it kind of looked around in the podcasting world, even did some some stuff as an experiment just to see what that's all about. There's a lot of uh, out, uh, output now, and a lot of outlets for this sort of thing. I think the main problem still with with uh, radio, unlike uh, the station that you're very fortunate to be mm-hmm. <laughs> aligned with, yeah. it's a, it is a very very rare breed now. Now we this program also airs on XM Satellite Radio in the Sonic Theater slot, and that's fine. Um, and there's a there's an audience certainly for that. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that it's becoming tougher and tougher to actually get material like this on terrestrial radio. It seems to be sort of dwindling. And so we're all sort of trying to figure out what the next step is. I think one component probably is the downloadable content idea. A lot of people are very uh, interested in that, like audible.com and and that kind of stuff. And I think that's certainly a component of it. Uh, I think for us in particular... uh, I am very interested in, ex- as we have just been talking about here. I'm very interested in ex- in exploring the visual aspect of this, mm-hmm. and I would really like to see a visual component created that uh, goes right along hand in hand with with the audio. And that whether that's a comic or if it's a, an actual video or a video game, I don't know. I don't. It's it, it's kind of up in the air, but. Yeah. I think this particular thing lends itself very well to that, so it's certainly one avenue we want to explore and try to figure out uh, how to make happen.
1: And I'd love to do an animated piece uh, with uh, that we could see it on the Internet, just as something that people would uh, pass on. Uh, because it's fun, you know, uh, less than a minute long, right. something like that, just to get the word out.
0: Sure, and you and so you guys definitely are, uh, f- seem to feel then that the internet is the future of what whatever radio drama is going to evolve into.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would imagine everything seems to be leaning in that direction. Uh, everything's going to be downloadable through the house eventually. That's that's obvious. It's a matter of time before they're building the entertainment console in the house okay. from which you. Download absolutely everything from movies to radio to whatever.
0: Yeah, and so, um, and, and so, where do you feel uh, that you're you're going? I mean, you see uh, a little earlier that you are pressed for time, but uh, w- with some of those obstructions removed, where would you l- uh, like to see Dry Smoke or maybe you know any of the other spin-off series going? Well, uh, in terms of audio, I'd, I'd I'd be tickled pink
2: to get <laughs> to get another series syndicated um, through terrestrial radio. I think okay. it would be Brand. Yeah. Uh if, if that doesn't happen, I think the other area to really look at right now would be a visual component. And I'm not sure what shape that would take. There are a lot of options, of course, but I'd love to see that. And we're also, you know, looking to uh, complete the triage series, get that going, and, and investigate another season of dry smoke here, certainly. We have people who are more than... <laughs> More than willing victims, so uh you know we're 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 very motivated to uh to continue that now that we have this this incredible talent base here and there seems to be an audience and I think if we could all just sort of put our heads together and find out what the best way is to um, to get this material circulated to people as as you have no doubt noticed on a lot of these uh, audio dramatist boards and so forth that's the that's an endless topic of conversation that is, that
0: is the that is the million dollar question or or the mm-hmm. you know something else and that's uh you also also uh, sort of Got towards a question I was uh, thinking of asking, which was, uh, what what do you sense? Who is your audience? Do you have a sense over the years has that evolved? Is it the same sort of group of people, or it's
2: uh, it's very interesting. The I, from, I can tell from basically the people who order our our series online. I can see that there are <laughs> there's absolutely no general age. They are. Uh, uh, Sometimes older people who have remember the the golden age of radio, and then this is some just some sort of odd hybrid that just tickles them. Yeah. Uh, two, the younger uh, members of the audience now who are discovering mm-hmm. this audio entertainment for the first time, and uh, are you know just. Loving the idea because I can load it up on the iPod, take it out, and you know, listen to a show. That's mm-hmm. that was not something that was really too possible several years ago, mm-hmm. frankly. A portable portable media is is a whole other component here
1: now, and cinema has caught up with us now because we were doing the science fiction stuff early on when there just wasn't that much of it out there, right. and now it's a very very commonly accepted genre. So the young people have have are, just find it a lot more accessible than when we were starting it.
0: And I, as I as I mentioned, last week was uh, actually the most response I've gotten ever on the show so far. I got uh, several calls and a couple of emails, um, you know, asking more about you and you know, expressing you know a huge amount of delight with the show. And I think um, mm, you know, so, so congratulations for that. You know, it, it's obviously is right. something that um, hits home. You know, this this people here uh, enjoy it. As I think. Um, Part of it that to me is uh obviously it's you know high level of production it just it sounds it sounds like a movie it has it has that quality to it, and also uh being you know your genre so well, and I think that's evident after all the time you've put into it you know what works and and obviously you know how to avoid what doesn't work uh, mm-hmm. maybe <laughs> uh, depending on the project yep. so.
1: Um, I I think the the most difficult thing to remember when writing these things and producing them is to not lose your audience, uh, forgetting that they can't see it and that the uh, audio sound effects and the dialogue have to carry every inch of it. And it's easy to lose yourself sometimes sure and re- and not realize until you listen back to it that hey, wait a minute, they don't know that this is this or that is that yeah uh but I think we've uh, we've got that down to a level now that uh is is probably better than most mm-hmm. <laughs> okay
0: and um so as far as uh, inspirations again outside of radio or maybe uh radio included uh who where do you draw some of your um inspirations um must have at least also an interest in science fiction as well then.
1: Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, um, my influences uh, are broad-ranging probably as Dune and Clive Barker mm-hmm. and uh, several others. Uh, and the the Shadow Man saga in particular definitely was inspired by what was going on around the world and in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Uh, without a doubt, as you go further into that uh, trilogy, there's no doubt that uh, uh, I was trying to present an alternative point of view. Uh, as to uh, the cause and effects of, of of who's who's pulling the strings and why, <laughs> and and dry smoke is uh, when you when you present this as an alternate dimension thing, I think you can I think the uh, I think the commentary becomes more poignant in a way uh, because it's at least one level removed and yeah. people are more willing to listen to it with an open mind, perhaps.
0: Uh, do you have, and Mark, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I, I
2: in terms of uh in terms of influences for me obviously I, as I mentioned before I think Fire Sign Theater was certainly a <laughs> uh, huge uh, shot in the arm back in the in the days uh, and I was I was buying their records when they were new. Uh and so uh I was really very yeah, very influenced uh by the the production style, perhaps the attitude, maybe the intention of how they they did things and uh uh I guess also I just absolutely uh love f- uh f- foreign film yeah. and it 's uh one of these things where obviously this is a medium that you can 't really convey that i mean mm-hmm. it 's a film for crying out loud, but you can convey the feelings of it, and yeah. so a lot of the production styles and there a lot of, certainly a lot of the music that that uh that I write for this stuff is is pulling from a lot of ethnicity and so uh as you get further on in the 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 saga there it takes the colors get deeper and stranger and, and more ethnic as you get towards uh, the third part of the saga there it's it's uh, gets pretty interesting uh, but uh, yeah so um, yeah I I just have to say that it's just it's, it's theater as a radio theater and particularly the older stuff too I used to love listening to um, uh, I think the one I keep mentioning time and time and time again but it, I it, it's the truth is Orson Welles hosted a, a show in the, I'm going to say it was the late 40s, perhaps early 50s, called Tales from the Black Museum. Okay. And I was fascinated by the show as a child. I was like, I have, it was the idea of describing a, a weapon and then reenacting how that weapon was used to kill somebody was just utterly fascinating to me. <laughs> I was just wonderful. So I was, uh, I was hooked, <laughs> I was hooked from, the, from the first beat. I thought that was marvelous. Okay.
0: Well uh now going to the actual ta- technical end for a moment. So you 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 call yourself the producer, but you also you just mentioned that you score music. What else um goes into it? Uh like how much of the production do you actually do or do you uh, have to get other people to help? I mean obviously the voice actors, but do you do all the recording and all that yourself? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I, and I use producer with a big stone capital P because yeah. yes, literally the sound design, the music, the 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 whole the whole production. Wow. Um has been, and always, I always have been uh, uh, kind of front seat. And as far as that thing is concerned, all the sound design in there, by the way, everything that's in there is created. There, are, there are no, you know, there's just it literally is. <laughs> it is built from the ground up. So when you hear the conjunction moving around, that's really, you know, kind of built piece at a time. And so wow. it,
1: it's all made to happen just the way. Uh, Just to an influence here, I'd say a major influence on the type of special effects that we've always loved uh, to uh, put into this was probably Outer Limits.
2: Excellent. Yeah, (laughs)
1: absolutely. (laughs) Which for a TV show, I think had some of the eeriest, most chilling uh, Mm -hmm. special effects, and of course, uh, Dominique Frontieri. Uh, the, the man who scored it in the first season, uh, again, a major influence because uh, it really was some interesting... interesting yeah, work. we're talking about the 1963-64, mm-hmm. right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, the original. Okay, <laughs> so that's that's absolutely crazy. So when you're talking... Okay, you're talking about a conjunction, like, do you... Is that a, a pre-recorded sound that you twist through a computer t- voice? Well, it, uh,
2: I think I think that one came up in part two, right? What was it a yeah. conjunction? conjunction? I think yeah. it actually... Yeah it's actually mm-hmm. built from about 27 different elements mm-hmm. and they are all um <laughs> orchestrated within a um uh digital audio workstation program that i use called digital performer and i, re- I really love this software a lot and it um uh, it it was kind of uh written kind of for the musician you know in terms of how the software's laid out so it's it it makes sense to most of
1: us right. <laughs> who
2: play great it's not written for you know the engineering mind as much so uh uh that is how a lot of those those sound effects get built and created and and sequenced against the voice parts so uh yeah it's it's a it's a rather tedious process even now even with all the computers and all that it still takes you know you got more options so you take more time you know that's just the way it is so uh yeah it's it's um, but it has helped enormously because i mean i i think our half hour a half hour show back in the old days would have had Close to eleven 1, hundred edits. Absolutely, even yeah. on tape. Yeah, it would have had.
1: So. And and the core sound effect elements can be absolutely anything, and and can be very odd things. Yes. For example, a, a high wind, a really uh, cool large high wind, can be produced by literally raising a tea kettle up and down over the burner uh, when the pressure is high, and it gives you this weird, ghostly wailing type of effect. And uh, another one of uh, one of our very early uh, spaceship uh, uh thrums was uh from a uh airbrush generator. <laughs> airbrush compressor. Remember those things the little motor and the airbrush connected to it? Yeah, that that motor got so much work. Oh, uh, it was a great little uh it was kind of one of them got morphed into a uh, jet engine and another one uh, was used for uh cars, uh Victorian yeah. Victorian electronic buggies and the like. <laughs> uh, that's,
0: that's awesome. So and and so do you do you use? Uh, have there ever been moments where you need to go out and just record cars going by, yeah. or is it all just just all of it?
2: <laughs> yeah, over the years I, I've gathered hundreds of hours worth of of material. Uh, some of it is is in better fidelity than others, but yeah. uh, these days you know you can kind of enhance anything. But yes, yeah, sure. that's that when you when you can't you can't find it, uh, you go get it. Yeah. So yep. Yeah and it's, morph the hell
1: out of it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. uh, well that's 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 an uh, enormous I, mean, I guess that uh, at least for me that helps you know understand you know uh, what the product is, you know, wh- why you know the world is so you know enchanting and so fun and e- excellent to listen to, but to hear all that goes into it. I mean, obviously um having such a great history, you know, lends itself to um such an enormously fun uh piece to listen to. So, uh thanks a lot f- uh for your insight on that. Oh you're most welcome yep and uh, do you guys have any, uh, any any last comments or any little bits of nicks uh, of insight that you'd like to uh, share with us
2: well I would say stay tuned um, <laughs> <'cause>, uh, there's, <laughs> there, there's more coming and uh, hopefully even you know even Wilder and Stranger and more Bizarre because I think the, the plan for the next uh, run of shows will be to return to the uh, to the capital again where kind of the show originally started and uh, some of the
1: the fun characters that were created back in the early days there will will return again anew. Yep, I think we really want to. Uh, the, the Shadow uh, the Shadow Man saga turned took a very serious turn, and, and it was fun to work with that. But I want to cross the two now. I want to I want to mix the heavy drama with a, a lot of the uh, comedy that, the elements that we originally had in the uh, in the first season, and put the two together and see what happens. <laughs> we have some people that can really uh pull off the comedic material now who have the chops to do that and it would be a blast to work with that yeah again. It sure
0: <laughs> great and um, as you mentioned, you are on XM radio now and again you also um i think you said you're getting on I- audible or you're already on there uh,
2: yes uh audible uh picked us up a few months back and i'm I'm of the impression that sometime this summer the uh the material will be available through them as well.
0: Wow, and I think, does that mean that you're automatically on iTunes as well? That is right. All
2: uh, 17 countries of it, so So. it'll
0: be iTunes Music Store. Yeah, so I think that'll that'll be huge. In addition to that, in the meantime, if you just can't wait, uh, go to drysmoke.com. Um, and go to drysmoke.com anyways just to check out the site. It's just really uh, very, yeah. very fun. And I think they'll,
2: you know. Click around. There's lots of hidden. Hey, <laughs> okay. lots of Easter eggs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's
0: it's um, a very unconventional and very cool, and it just totally matches up with everything you're doing. So that's a uh, really enjoy, enjoyable asset um, that you've done there as well. So uh, thanks again, guys, so much for uh, calling in and spending some time to chat about your work with us. Thanks very much, Fred. Yes, and again, this is uh, Mark Rose, the producer, and uh, Gerald McQuinn, the writer and illustrator for *Dry Smoke and Whispers*. And uh, thanks, guys, a lot, and have a good one.
1: All right, thank you.